So CCOs have to step up now in the face of these requirements and ensure that they are seated at the senior executive level of business operations, the C-suite, so that they can fulfill DOJ's expectations for overall consequence management. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Well, hello. Thanks for joining us today. And thought I'd take an episode here to talk about what the implications of the new DOJ compliance requirements are, and especially focused on the problems or the need or the mandates for cooperation between compliance departments and HR. I think the Justice Department's approach here, and when we get into the details, you'll see, is almost prescriptive in terms of mandating greater cooperation. I think the Justice Department has heard about too many problems that occur between compliance and HR, and I don't mean to condemn HR departments. What I mean to say is that compliance and HR have to rebalance their relationship And DOJ expects them to do that based upon the need to promote a culture of compliance and ethics. So the Justice Department is now taking on the role of marriage counselor, not with individual couples, but with the critical corporate relationship, ethics and compliance and human resources. You know, normally that I've written often, it's a match made in heaven, compliance and HR, because they share so many common goals. Unfortunately, We have witnessed in our work in too many organizations, compliant and HR, just having trouble sharing information. Usually HR believes that they have an expertise in the particular area or they don't want to compromise, you know, individual privacy interests and they claim that they can't share data. And this should not be so. HR and compliance have many joint responsibilities and obligations. And sometimes there's turf envy as what I call it, you know, they view themselves as uniquely qualified to handle what they term HR issues, conduct HR investigation, and protect the company's culture because they are interacting with the employees on the ground. Now, there is an overlap, and what is important here is that there are real and tangible benefits from cooperation and coordination. An effective HR and compliance partnership can leverage resources to ensure the overall advancement and the advancement of the company's culture and ultimately the company's success. And an example of what the Justice Department was finding was in 2020, DOJ revised its evaluation of corporate compliance programs to include a new provision requiring companies to provide compliance with access to generated across the organization. And this addition reflected DOJ's belief that HR was not sharing all of its data with compliance and tended to resist active cooperation and coordination. So now what we see is that there are two basically distinct new trends from the corporate enforcement policy and the Justice Department's evaluation of corporate compliance programs. First, the overall importance of HR to the achievement of a culture 
of ethics and compliance. And second, that in many cases, HR continues to resist cooperation and coordination with compliance. Now, DOJ's recent initiatives of requiring companies to maintain a robust and enhanced investigation root cause system and implement a new consequence management system, and that's the new term of the year, consequence management, can only occur when you have active cooperation and effective cooperation between HR and compliance. So the unmistakable message from DOJ is HR and compliance need to get along better and cooperate to address the specific elements required for a culture of ethics and integrity and a consequence management system. So those are the things that are really important. Now, DOJ has emphasized also the importance of creating incentives and disincentives to enhance individual conduct and overall accountability. In its admirable goal, and if implemented properly, this should bring about positive behaviors. Under its new Section 2.C, DOJ replaced the prior title with a new section, Compensation Structures and Consequence Management. And they removed the term disciplinary procedures and replaced it with consequence management in order to encompass its expectation that executives, managers, and employees will operate under a new set of policies, including financial penalties resulting from clawbacks and deferred compensation schemes that are tied to compliance behaviors and requirements. And additionally, with this new section, DOJ included a number of new mandates, many of which are basic requirements reflecting an important partnership between HR and compliance. So DOJ, I think, did a great service by digging into these details surrounding HR data and cooperation, culture, investigations, root cause analyses, disciplinary procedures, and clawbacks. Now, DOJ knows how important, and let's get into some of the details here, can be how important data can be to tracking, monitoring, and intervening to protect and promote an organization's corporate culture and prevent misconduct. CCOs routinely report employees' concern data, whether by hotline, walk-ins, reports to the direct supervisors, and other reporting channels. Similarly, DOJ is aware that many companies track and disclose data relating to disciplinary actions as a measure of the effectiveness of its investigation and consequence management functions. To this end, DOJ has suggested that such tracking should include monitoring the number of compliance-related allegations that are substantiated, the average and outlier times to complete a compliance investigation, and the effectiveness and consistency of disciplinary measures across the levels And this is the important part across the levels, geographies, units, or departments of an organization. So DOJ's enhanced requirement requires companies to consider, track, and evaluate its consequence management systems as a reflection of its culture. DOJ breaks down the consequence management system into these specific areas to measure, track, and monitor, including the hotline system, resulting investigations, substantiation rates, root cause analyses, and average time to complete investigations and the discipline and the use of recoupment financial bonuses from executives who are responsible for misconduct. Now, DOJ's laser focus is on incentives and disincentives. And here as part of an overall compliance program, 
CCOs have to grab a seat at the senior executive table to include business, HR, legal, and compliance representatives to design and implement compensation systems that foster a culture of ethics and compliance. In other words, CCOs have to participate in the creation of a system incorporating positive incentives and negative penalties to promote compliant conduct. The positive elements of an incentive program include promotions, rewards, and bonuses for improving and developing a compliance program or demonstrating ethical leadership. Further, organizations should establish career development opportunities and opportunities for career advancement linked to compliance responsibilities and performance. DOJ specifically noted that cross assignments, and this I've seen in many companies, of business managers to compliance and vice versa would be a positive strategy for promoting career opportunities. In other words, bring a business person into compliance, let them work on compliance for a temporary assignment, and vice versa, bring compliance people out into the business. Interestingly, DOJ mentioned the need for an organization also to examine the impact of sales targets and other similar programs on employee incentives to stay compliant with the law and corporate policies. So organizations that throw large contingent payouts for lucrative business contracts or for hitting specific targets should consider the impact of these incentives on sales employees and their ability and incentive to adhere to ethical requirements. So at the end of the month, there's a sales target. And if the salesperson hits that target that month, they get a big payment. There must be some kind of analysis of the impact that that might have on that salesperson to pay a bribe, promise a bribe, or any other type of misconduct that would help that person to meet the target. On the negative side, DOJ is mandating that companies incentivize compliance by designing compensation systems that defer or escrow certain compensation tied to conduct that is consistent with the com company's culture and ethical values. Now, in this area, companies have to demonstrate such commitment to enforcement of employment and contract provisions to recoup prior compensation awards when the recipient employee engages in misconduct. DOJ expects companies to act transparently in the design and implementation of the disciplinary process, consistently apply disciplinary actions, accurately measure disciplinary actions across the organization and constituencies, evaluate commercial targets and related incentive structures, include compliance in the design and award of financial incentives at senior executive levels, of the organization and establish compliance incentives to encourage ethical behavior. And they included a specific calculation that DOJ is really mandating, which is the percentage of senior executive compensation that is tied to promoting ethical conduct. So CCOs have to step up now in the face of these requirements and ensure that they are seated at the senior executive level of business operations, the C-suite so that they can fulfill DOJ's expectations for overall consequence management. In the disciplinary area, I have always advocated on behalf of a sort of committee approach or some kind of independent objective reviewer or the institution that meets out disciplinary actions to ensure consistency. So you would have a business representative, legal, HR, CCO, 
or compliance representative and other constituencies, you know, maybe security, whatever on the committee. And then they would have a mandate, which is to oversee the disciplinary process and then ultimately make a decision and maintain consistency with regard to disciplinary actions. There's nothing worse, folks, than a disciplinary system that treats similarly situated employees and executives in different ways based upon where they sit or what their sales performance is or anything like that. Justice has to be blind and consistent here. And for a company to develop organizational justice, they have to adhere to these strict disciplinary process procedures. More importantly, and on a broader scale, CCOs have to establish positive working relationships with HR, senior sales executives, and legal to ensure effective coordination and cooperation. And senior management has to establish a framework for this to be achieved, announce it, implement it, and then adhere to it and empower this framework to work on behalf of the company. Anyway, so that's the new mandate of HR and compliance cooperation. It's significant. It's important. And I hope that if there's anything you need in this area, let us know. We can help you to put something together to address these new mandates. Anyway, thanks again for appearing, for listening, and for following us. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com. 